Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to your post-game Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Cleveland Browns victors over the Baltimore Ravens in Cleveland. Here with Mary Kay Cabot. I'm Doug Maurice. Dan Lobby, Ashley Bastock, Irie Harris will be along shortly. Mary Kay, nice win for the Browns. Snowing at the end. I wasn't there. You guys were. Looked like a happy home crowd enjoying a victory. The first game that Deshaun Watson played at home in front of these Cleveland Browns fans. Was there that feeling in the stadium was this were these brown is it right who's listening to this podcast right now browns fans who do we care about browns fans the browns fans enjoy this saturday they really enjoyed this saturday doug i mean it was uh actually in my mind kind of heartwarming especially at this time of year to see happy browns fans to look out of the press box right in front of us Fans were so excited. They kept turning around to us and cheering and waving. And, you know, I mean, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was euphoria in the stadium. It really was. Even though it was kind of a slug fest and it was a little bit of an ugly game, there was a lot of joy in the stadium. And I think some of it had to do with the fact that fans feel like, you know what? This, they could be onto something here. This is what things could look like with Deshaun Watson playing quarterback. And with the defense, uh, you know, playing up to its potential. So this is something that you have talked about uh, much of the season with the defense. And that's takeaways. That's mm-hmm. doing things, actively doing things. And I always say, ah, takeaways are kind of random. And then you saw the Browns do things today. And they didn't really stop the Ravens. They only forced one punt the whole game. But they made plays when they had to, and they were direct plays by two of their best guys. You had Denzel Ward jumping that route in the red zone, making a key interception. We've seen Denzel Ward make plays like that before. And then John Johnson just punched the ball. Just mm-hmm. a regular old play, and a guy's going down, and, and, and John Johnson the third just punches the ball out. Mary Kay, I feel like you've been waiting for this. You've been saying this team has been talking about this. If they don't force those two turnovers, I think they might lose today. Mm-hmm. But that is something that that was not um, – they were not the recipients of those turnovers. They forced those turnovers. Is this what you have been expecting from this defense? Yes, absolutely. And you've started to see it come over the last few weeks. They are starting to become that opportunistic, take-it-away defense. Like you said, John Johnson 3 punched it out. I mean, this was, you know, that was a strip. He 
earned that. Same thing with Denzel Ward and the interception. He was not going to to be denied. He snatched that ball away. And I think that was, you know, the difference from this defense and the one that we were watching, uh, you know, five, six, seven, eight weeks ago, uh, that they just were not imposing their will in that way and getting those takeaways. So, uh, you know, Miles Garrett has called for them. Uh, he's been very adamant that that's what they need to do. And if you couple a defense like that, that can take the ball away. I mean, you look at some of the best defenses in the NFL and that's what they're doing, right? They're taking that ball away and they're getting it back uh, for their offense. So uh, yes, I do think that uh, that is what you're going to see more of in the future. That's they know that's what they have to do. Now, again, we must note that this was not Lamar Jackson. It was Tyler Huntley. Uh, but still, I, I think regardless of that, I think the defense is onto something here and ready to play a dominant brand of ball. This has been an odd year for this defense. This has been an odd year for Joe Woods. They've been a lot of because, you know, the Deshaun Watson thing on the offensive side, of course, that's going to be weird. You're waiting mm-hmm. 11 games. You're play, right. But they've, they've had these linebacker injuries, which is certainly part of it. And they've, they're losing, you know, four linebackers in a year. That's unusual. And they've had guys in and out of the lineup at times because of injury, but that's not unusual. That's just life in the NFL. So this defense that has a lot of players that people think are good has at times certainly underachieved, but on a day like this, they show you, listen, you hold anybody in the NFL with three points. That's a good day, right? It doesn't matter what the other team is doing. What have you, what, let me, let me ask you this first, the mood, like, did, did you sense anything? What were the defensive guys? What was Kevin Stefanski saying about the defense? What was the mood of the defensive players after a game like this? Like, do they, you've been saying this, this a couple of weeks like this, do they feel like they're onto something here? Yes, they, they really do. They really do. And here's another thing that I think we should bring up. And that is the fact that you have been hearing, especially since last time that uh, Miles Garrett talked to us on... I'm, my days are mixed up, but Friday or Thursday or whatever. Yeah, Thursday. When I, I asked Miles Garrett about Joe Woods, do you support him? He's embattled. He's on the hot seat. We're hearing things. Miles Garrett has come out, uh, the last couple of interviews and he has supported Joe Woods like crazy. I'm, I haven't written my Miles story yet, but, uh, tonight I, I will be writing that. But I mean, in there, you can see that he is saying, They're giving us great calls and we're executing them. He is coming out in support of Joe Woods and that can change the tide. When your number one player on defense starts to support uh, your defensive coordinator and and just speaks out on his behalf like that, it can change things. It, It can change things. It can alter the course of how things might go after the season. So I think it bears watching. So when you think about this defense over the course of the season, Mary Kay, is this just another hill and valley and it's been up and down and there have been times where they've been in a good stretch and times when they've been in a bad stretch? Or is this now trending? Is this trending up that you think they will finish the season in the final three games in a way that should inspire confidence in this defense? I, I think they will. I really do think they will. Um, but it also, you know, it should be noted that 
They have lost four linebackers, including, I mean, Jeremiah owusu I mean, these guys were all starting linebackers at the time that they were lost for the season. So there are issues. It's not easy. That's why you saw 198 yards being given up today uh, because they really are hurting uh, in some areas of the defense. Uh, but again, takeaways cover up a lot of ills. It's like spaghetti sauce. I mean, it really covers up for a lot of things. Um, but, and now Jadavian Clowney, uh, who I think I, whenever Jadavian's on the field, he makes a difference. I thought he was playing really, really well tonight. He has a concussion. Who knows if he'll be able to play going forward. Um, but I think, I think you can see that this is, this is a talent loaded defense and this, they played up to, to their potential today, and I think they will sustain it. Ravens did outgain the Browns 324 to 283 on Saturday. The Ravens averaged 5.3 yards per play. The Browns averaged 4.4 yards per play. Browns helped by Justin Tucker missing a field goal, and then they blocked a field goal, so only one for three on field goal tries. Also stopped the Ravens in the red zone on the first drive of the game. But I, you know, I've been very results oriented the past couple of weeks. So it's like, all right, well, you got outgained and you gave up more yards per play, but you held them to three and you won, right? That's, I feel like the Browns, when they've been losing Mary Kay, you've been like, well, they were in games, but they didn't do anything to win it. Show me what you did to, to win it. Other teams are making winning plays. This was not a perfect game. This was not a perfect game, but they made a couple winning plays at winning time and in weird Rock fights like this, that is what teams do. I, this was not the, the Browns coming out and steamrolling somebody, but it was the Browns on a weird day when either team could have won. One team made the play, made the winning plays to get over the top, and the other team didn't. And that, Mary Kay, is how you make the playoffs in the NFL because you don't have 17 perfect weeks. But you win some games when it's a little goofy. And I thought that that, to me, is a big is a sign of this game, the ward pick and and the JJ3 um, punching out the fumble and then Jordan Elliott blocking the field goal. It's like, hey, man, yeah, I feel like the Browns made more winning plays in this one game maybe than they, they had made for an entire month at times this year, and that's what good teams have to do. Yes, and when you win the turnover battle, you win the football game, okay? You win the football game because, like you said, it wasn't perfect. They converted only five of 15 third downs. That's not beautiful. They went only one for four in the red zone. Yeah. That's no good. I mean, you know, but like I said before, when you take the ball away and you make big plays like that, uh, that changes the game for you. So that really was the name of the game. And I agree with something that you said earlier, and that was if you don't get those two takeaways – you're probably not winning the game. And you you might not have won the game if not for those. I truly 100% believe uh, that, that was the, those things were the difference in the game, along with that fourth and one stop. Uh, they set the tone with that at the very beginning of the game. Uh, the defense came through there, and that's almost like another turnover. I mean, that's yeah. basically oh, almost yeah. like another turnover when you're turning it over on downs like that on fourth and one. Uh, and they, you know, and they, they cashed in on that too. I mean, they got a field goal out of that. They got points off of the Denzel INT. And those things were the difference in the game on a day when 
you know, Deshaun is coming up the learning curve. He's running some no huddle. He's taking more authority at the line. He's taking more ownership of the offense. And as he comes up, uh, the defense is playing some complimentary ball. You've covered the Browns for a long time, Mary Kay. You're as, as much of an authority on this as, as anybody you could ask this question to. Deshaun Watson, his first game in Cleveland as a Cleveland Brown. What what did you think of the vibe? What did you think of the reception? How the fans reacted to Deshaun Watson being announced, taking the field? What what was how did Cleveland react to Deshaun Watson playing? Very favorably. Now, again, you're preaching to the choir, the people that come to these games and pay the money to come to these football games, especially when playoffs are not at stake and it is 32 degrees. These are your diehard fans. These are your fans that love the Cleveland Browns and want to be here and want to see them win and succeed. So this was not, you know, the hostile environment of Houston. This was not the hostile environment of Cincinnati or, you know, when they play in Pittsburgh. It's not that. And Deshaun is still going to have to deal with a lot of that kind of stuff, not just this year, but going forward. It's going to be there. Uh, but he felt the love in Cleveland Brown State, in First Energy Stadium Day. He felt the love, and he was so overwhelmed uh, for that reaction that he got that he turned to the dog pound and he screamed after taking that knee three times. He stood up and he screamed and kind of like flexed, and um, and it was just this show of emotion that almost like, okay, this is going to be okay, like, these people are, are going to forgive me and they're going to embrace me and we're going to do some great things together. Important point, Mary Kay, that you made there. I mean, everybody knows the allegations against Deshaun Watson. Everybody knows the situation that what it has been in Cleveland, um, the Browns deciding to trade for him. And I, I think the people, and there certainly are, we know that. We know that there are loyal, loyal Cleveland Browns fans who took issue with that, who the decision to bring Deshaun Watson to Cleveland, that affected their fandom as a Cleveland Browns fan. But maybe they weren't in a hurry to show up on Saturday. It doesn't mean they'll never be back. But when they're out of the playoffs and it's the first game, they may not have been there. They may not have chosen to be there. Probably if you were there, you were either, I don't even know if I want to say on the side of Deshaun Watson, but whatever, but you were open to the idea of, of him being a Cleveland Brown. And as we go down the line, we're going to realize, I hope Browns fans who are were against this move or are uncomfortable with this move, it's their decision. Maybe they will decide to come back and maybe, I don't know if that vibe will change or time. I don't, what We know that. But I do think that's an important point that you made, Mary Kay, that this probably was going to be a pretty friendly reception for Deshaun Watson. Because if you if you weren't going to have that reaction, you you probably stayed home on Saturday, right? And 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 I know for a fact, I know people because I talk to a lot of people. I know plenty of people who are at least right now not going to be coming to the games or watching the Browns games because of how they feel about Deshaun Watson. Uh, in fact, I know uh, you know two people that were able to come to the game today because the other two people that had the tickets didn't want to come and, and watch Deshaun Watson play football and that they're struggling with that. So I'm sure that there are plenty of people like that. And it is a narrative that we will have to, you know, continue to try to capture 
and we have to have a handle on that. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see how it goes as the years go by because it's not changing anytime soon. And we acknowledge, we want to acknowledge, we want to cover this team for all kinds of fans who feel all kinds of different ways. And so you, you heard, you heard part of that today. And then there were other people at home who, who were expressing maybe how they felt by not being in the stadium on Saturday. Last thing, Mary Kay, before we let you go, write 11 stories. (laughs) What now? Saints, commanders, Steelers to end it. What would you like? What, what do you think should be? fans should be able to see from this team what do they need to do to go into the offseason in the right way what do they need to do to build upon a victory over a Baltimore team that is right in the thick of the playoff race what next for the Browns well I think what's next is they really need to continue to hone this offense Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson need to continue to communicate Uh, Deshaun Watson needs to be able to completely be himself and feel comfortable and communicate what he needs and what he wants to do. They have to be open to whatever he uh, feels comfortable with. And, you know, if he wants, you know, more RPOs, if he wants to run more, if he wants more no huddle, whatever he needs is what they have to be geared towards doing. So that's what the next three games have to be all about is making sure that he's comfortable, that he has what he needs. And if he says to them, look, I have to have two more Pro Bowl caliber receivers. Then they have to go out and find him two more Pro Bowl caliber receivers somehow, which won't be easy to do when you don't have a first round pick. But that's what this is all about. It's making sure, uh, number one, first and foremost, that Deshaun Watson has everything that he needs to be successful. And then they're going to have to fill in uh, some of the holes that we know that they have on the team. Uh, But for the most part, I think they have a pretty good core of players uh, to be able to contend next season. She's Mary Kay Cabot. You guys know that. I don't think, can you imagine someone listening to this podcast and be like, oh, who, who is she? She really knows what she's talking <laughs> about. It's Mary Kay. <laughs> Go read her at cleveland.com slash Browns. Mary Kay, thanks as always for stopping by. We know you're busy post game. When we come back, Dan Lobby, Ash Sebastock, Irie Harris, they will join us on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. All right, we're back. Dan Lobby, Irie Harris, Ashley Bastock have joined the podcast. Dan, just very quickly, for people who weren't in Cleveland, there are people listening to this who we know aren't in Cleveland. For instance, me. I missed the whole first quarter. Did not see a single play. Uh, Is that good for Cleveland.com? Because now we have exclusive rights to detailing what happened in the first 15 minutes of this Browns game. Did you guys know, like, were people freaking out, like, Wait, don't start the game. It's not on the TV yet. Wasn't this weird? In the history of the world, how often have we had a 15 minutes of NFL action that was seen by as few people as this first quarter was seen by? Well, first of all, you use the word action kind of loosely there. No, I miss. People didn't miss much. Doug, you did not miss much in the first quarter of that game. Let me ask you this. Do you think the offenses tried to be terrible because they knew nobody was watching it and they wanted it to be 0-0 when the world came in? You know, I mean, there was a Hayden Grove tweeted out a picture of all the player Browns players in the tunnel watching the game before they came out for intro. So maybe like somebody had a phone on the sideline and they were watching that Vikings Vikings game like, oh, this is crazy. So, yeah, maybe their heads weren't maybe their heads weren't in it or maybe they were just being kind to the nation. Nice. Okay. 
You guys hear what happened, by the way? Greatest comeback in NFL history. You guys hear about that one? I did, I did hear Colts about that. Yeah. Blew it. Yeah, we the Colts were blew watching it. it. Did, well, did Doug, did you see the picture of Hayden tweeted that the Browns in the tunnel? No, I didn't. I don't think yeah. I follow Hayden on Twitter anymore because it's mostly isn't it Michael. It's mostly Michael Bublé lyrics, right? Is there football stuff on there? I don't even know. There is football uh, stuff there when there's a game happening. Yes. Oh, sorry. Okay. So no, Love I didn't. Hayden. I did not see that. Yeah, I didn't see that. You know, Hayden got me in trouble one time, right? You guys know Hayden got me in trouble. No. Can you can you diverge can from the? Yeah, yes. tell us. Yeah, tell I'll us. tell it. He might get mad. I don't game. I don't even care. So, um, this was back when Hayden was a student at Ohio State. And Phil Jackson came to an Ohio State basketball game. And he was there, I guess this one he was the president of the Knicks, uh, watching D'Angelo Russell, who was going to be drafted very high. And so I ran after Phil Jackson at the end of the game as he was leaving. And I asked Phil Jackson a question or two about D'Angelo Russell, and he answered them. But it kind of was like one of those, right, where it's like, it's not really on the record, it's kind of whatever. And Hayden, as a student journalist at Ohio State, like, followed me and published the quotes, and Phil Jackson got, like, in, tr- in trouble with the NBA for tampering because he talked about a college player that he wasn't allowed to talk about. And it was like, I was like, a uh, college guy, like, you kind of weren't supposed to publish those quotes. I was just sort of, like, chasing Phil Jackson down a hallway. So that's how I met Hayden Grove. Oh, what a story. Think of that story. Wow, so that's, actually, that's, that's why I don't follow him on Twitter because I'm worried he's going to get me in trouble again wow. somehow. So Hayden, so, so Hayden Grove catching strays on this podcast. Edgar Allan yeah. Poe. Edgar Allan Poe caught a stray from oh Brown's social God. media earlier I today. Saw this that is man, random. Telltale Heart. Stuff. Come on, Telltale Heart. I know. There's a are, you a Poe, on the floor. are you a Poe fan, about? Doug? Are you a Poe uh, fan? That's like the only one I know. That's the famous one, right? Freaks you out. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, I, everyone loves Hayden. That's why you can talk about this. Seriously, have you met anybody who doesn't like Hayden Grove? He's handsome. He can sing. He's he has a nice personality. Everybody loves Hayden. He's fine. Oh, did you hear about Doug who was ripping Hayden? No. Hayden's got every Hayden's got everything I don't have. Except this podcast microphone right now. That's why I'm doing it. Uh no, I missed Ashley's trying to show me a picture of Edgar Allan Poe. I did oh no. Oh, they did a loser thing on his head. We all know it's like, oh, did you hear about yeah, the Ravens, they, what they did? It's just a 22-year-old intern on social they media. They capitalized both the L's and Allen. Get it? I bet you the intern who did that doesn't L. even know who Edgar Allan Poe is. Honestly, right? I mean, everything in the world, everything on social media is a 23-year-old intern with a tiny little view of the world. They're like, oh, Edgar Allan Poe, who's that guy? It's like, I don't know. Maybe you should go read something, intern. Anyway, the Browns won. It's exciting. Oh, everybody's excited. Irie, what did you think of that first quarter? Like what? So, so again, there are people listening to this who didn't see it. The the Ravens did move the ball. Did you think the Browns stopping the Ravens in the red zone on a fourth down? Did you did you feel something in that moment? How important did you think that stop was for the Browns? Or is this was this just going to be like a low scoring game anyway? Or did that feel like a momentum change? How did I feel? I felt warm because it was very cold outside. So warmth was first and foremost. Mm. Regarding the momentum shift, I don't really believe there was much of a momentum shift, uh, especially for this defensive unit. And it's become a broken record. But, I mean, they came, they entered the game 11th ranked, you know, in the league for most opposing rushing yards uh, per game allowed at 128.1, I believe. So when it came to them stopping my fourth down, it was just a sense of, oh, that's nice. 
Okay, now what? Especially because it was only the first series of the game. We've seen him make yeah. a big. I mean, it's it, it's near. It was nearly the equivalent of of Kevin Stavansky and Alex Van Pell usually having a terrific opening script. And wow, they jump out with the cred. They're leading the game seven nothing, and then they fall after that. So it was just a sense of just not putting all your marbles and thinking it was over and done for by then. We all knew it would be, if you felt the winds, for those not in Cleveland, if you felt those below freezing gusts of winds from our next door neighbor, Lake Erie, you knew it would be a game where quarterbacks would have a, a trouble throwing deep nor accurately throwing. So when it came to the Browns making that stop, it was well needed to show that, hey, we still do have a pulse. Yeah, we can still do something for this Lamar Jackson, limitless Brown uh, uh, Ravens offense. Ashley, Tyler Huntley, 17 of 30, 138. Deshaun Watson, 18 of 28, 161. Did the weather, did the wind, did you guys feel like there was some effect on the passing games today, or was it kind of just too average passing games anyway? And Because we've seen, yeah, we know what it looks like thing. when the yeah. wind blows up a pass game, right? We know that. Last time Deshaun right. Watson played in this stadium, that's what happened. That that exact wasn't exactly what happened on Saturday, Ashley. Like, so I thought that for Deshaun Watson, it it just felt like he and this offense maybe took this small, like incremental step forward. And, and it just felt like, oh, he's like learning how to play with these guys a little bit more. They're implementing more RPO stuff, no huddle stuff. Like the things are moving quicker. They're changing the pace up. There, there were these things that we saw that I think, hey, he, this guy's maybe come come along a little bit, gotten his legs underneath him compared to two weeks ago when he had to play in Houston. The Ravens, I'm like, this is kind of what we expected, right? Like, I don't think the weather mattered at all. It could have been 85 degrees and sunny here, and we probably would have seen them trying to feed J.K. Dobbins as much as humanly possible because, as Dan and I have talked about earlier this week, like, we can't name one Ravens receiver right now ever since they got rid of Hollywood Brown. So so I think in that way, like, yes, the weather might have had some effect, but, like, I didn't think Deshaun Watson looked totally rattled by it. And I think we kind of would have got this from the Ravens anyway. Okay, last week after the game, I yelled at everybody who picked the Browns. So in the interest of fair play, I picked the Ravens today, and I was wrong. Ashley, who did you pick today? And then I both picked the Ravens. I think Irene's the only one who picked oh. the Browns on here. Oh. Me Irene, and uh, the Browns, perhaps me and uh, Mary Kay, of course. You know, that's and that's Hayden. Too, I bet that uh, handsome Hayden. I bet you he picked the Browns, right? He did not. No, oh, he, he got it wrong. He was talking about. He said he's out of money now. He said he's out oh. of money. Yeah. Okay. So look so at we'll that. What happens? Re- which, by the way, Doug, I said what? What? I've asked Dan this, but I've never asked you this. Like. What happens when we are out of money? Like, do you become a loan shark that's like chasing us down, demanding Doug bucks? All I know is that when I run out of money, when I gamble, I just get my credit card out of my wallet. <laughs> I don't know if that's, do you guys have fake Doug bucks credit cards? I'll get your credit card. All right. So I do, the do, only one. Do we have a, a gamble responsibly read we have to put in now? We have, we probably have to. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Honestly, everybody. Buckle in if you want. <laughs> if you want to get, my wife asked me this the other day. Do I want a gambling gift card for Christmas? And I do. So maybe you want that, but just get ready. Get your bankroll in order. Get your mind in order. Have fun with this. It's coming on January 1st. Have fun with it, but don't bet over your head. And bet better than Hayden Grove. Bet this year on the Browns because he's out of money and the season's still going on. 
Ashley, I'll start with you. Quick answer. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the Deshaun Watson, who was a top five quarterback in the NFL, franchise quarterback, the guy who could, you can win a Super Bowl with, one being he's he's a barely competent starting quarterback, right? Like where, where, where were we today on the Deshaun Watson scale? What number between one and 10? I'm going to go like medium and I'll say this is a wide scale. So I'm going to give him like a five and a half. That feels five and about half. right. Yeah. What would you say Deshaun was today? I'll give him, I'll give him a five. I, I would like to get, give the half, but I'll just keep it at a, at a plain five. Okay. Dan, what would you give Deshaun today? I will go six. Okay. So, so here's my question then. And again, this is an exciting time for the Browns. This is a win that mattered. This is, as I talked about with Mary Kay at the start of this pod, this was happy Browns fans. Great. That, that matters. Honestly, for us, that's the number one thing. Happy Browns fans. They have two offensive touchdowns in three games with Deshaun Watson. So they're like, Dan, there was progress, right? But eight drives today, one touchdown, four drives that ended in field goal attempts, three punts, no turnovers, which was very critical in this game. But there does at some point, Dan, right, we've we've got to get to a Deshaun Watson with the Browns that scores, I don't know, let's say multiple offensive touchdowns. In a 60 minute game, like there, you know, like I, I, I think I certainly I'm not disagreeing with the idea of progress, but there is going to be a time when this offense, it's going to be time to go, isn't it? Yes. And I, I think today, I think the positive thing is this has been a pretty steady upward trajectory, right? Houston throw that game away. It was a disaster for a lot of reasons. Last week, that second half, we started to see Deshaun make a lot of playground plays. Like, okay, now he's start like the game is starting to slow down for him. There was still that mistake to Donovan Peoples Jones, just a terrible decision and throw. Today, I thought it was he was taking the easy stuff today, you know, and he hasn't been doing that. He was just taking the easy open stuff today, and he didn't have to make a bunch of spectacular throws. And I thought that was a really positive step in the right direction. And I thought the the touchdown to Donovan Peoples-Jones, they do these things on Fridays. They're called Friday routes. We're not allowed to film them uh, because they're routes that you might see in the game. And this was a Friday route for sure. And that's the sort of stuff I saw from Deshaun today. And he was more confident, I thought. You know, Ashley asked him about a play with Michael Woods where he kind of wanted Michael Woods to, to break into the end. So, like, it seems like he knows what he wants guys to do he knows what he wants to do. And I also thought that big play that he made with his legs was important too. He just looked more like a guy playing quarterback today. Whereas in Houston, he looked like a guy that hadn't played football in two years. Last week, he looked like a guy that was playing backyard football. And today he looked like an NFL quarterback. And, and Dan, you mentioned, so I want to stay with you real quick, because you talked about this right before we hopped on, the idea of Kevin Stefanski maybe calling it better do, do you do you feel like more of a melding between head coach play caller and quarterback on Saturday yeah I thought Kevin called a good game today and I, all of this is weird because they scored 13 points and one touchdown they did <laughs> but I thought I, I just felt like Kevin called a good game today I felt like everything flowed together I loved when they went hurry up after the Denzel Ward interception, and that was the drive where they scored the touchdown. And they tried to do that against Cincinnati, but they kept getting penalties. Um, so I thought this was 
probably one of this was this was Kevin's best game with Deshaun too. I thought. I read that hurry up right. That can be sometimes you do hurry up and people are like why don't you do hurry up all the time, right? It's like why isn't the entire plane built out of the black box? It's like well, because if you do hurry up all the time, your offensive linemen are going to collapse. And your defense is going to collapse because you're going to have no time of possession. You're going to be on the field constantly. But but do you think, Irie, this team, when Deshaun Watson's running the offense, what can up-tempo potentially be for the Browns in the right circumstance? And as Dan said, that they got their touchdown off some of that on Saturday. Well, within the broad uh, perspective, a more up-tempo offense can definitely be uh, including taking more risk with, with Watson and Ian, especially once he works the rust off because we've seen, even though he's still he's visibly working the rust off, even though there's visibly still holes via forward or just getting more comfortable with his pass catchers, he can still make things happen and still off just make something out of nothing, you know, for all of his opportunities that cannot be ignored because with an up more up-tempo offense, you're done with him so much and using him well to the point where they're expecting him to throw it to where you give it to arguably the best running back in the game and Nick Chubb. So an up-tempable offense is just literally a call for even more, more offensive opportunities and points to put up on the board because it nearly, I, I don't want to go as far to say it's a dream match meeting in heaven, but it's quite a good thought when you think of Stefanski's offensive schemes, along with Watson, who's a top five caliber quarterback when, you know, at best, and Nick Chubb. Oh, and did I mention Amari Cooper hand? Along with DPJ and, and Joe who are doing very well as complimentary pass catchers. So an up-tempo offense definitely brings that uh, for sure. It's amazing sometimes. I- I've done this a few times. If you like watch film a little bit with a football coach, I think they are yelling for their quarterback to take the easy stuff a lot. And we all love the big stuff. It's like, what are you doing? The guy's jumping down the field. And coaches, they're so turnover prone. And they just don't want to get behind the chains. And they just they just want, take the four yards, take the check down, take the thing that's right in front of you. And actually, it feels like there's a, there's a lot of sense that that makes in the moment, right? You've got to build this, build this from the ground up. Did it feel, Dan's talking about them taking, you know, taking some of that easy stuff with Deshaun. Did the... Did the offense, the Browns offense still feel dangerous at times on Saturday? Or was it really like, again, I don't think we can emphasize too much. The Ravens turned it over twice. The Browns did not turn it over. And that was the difference in this game. Taking care of the ball is not sexy, but it is vital. And credit to the Browns for doing that. Were there times when you still felt like, ooh, like Deshaun's got a little something here? Or are we not there yet? with Deshaun Watson, then maybe we won't get there until 2023. So I think you see it in flashes. Now, that being said, like, I do think kind of like what you're talking about, Doug, like this big play explosive, I'm going to go and take this game over and win this game. And, and, you know, like Deshaun Watson said to me today, when I asked him about that Michael Woods play, the third and one miss, he made the comment, like, I know everyone saw that Patrick Mahomes, no look, throw last week and I want to do that stuff too that he can do that stuff and like he wants to be recognized for doing that type of stuff and that it's a matter of getting on the same page with these guys and I think from what we've seen from him what he likes to do as a quarterback and I think it's why he's meshed so well with CPJ is he likes to throw so that guys go get the ball 
And I like DPJ is so good at contested catches and he's so big. I think that's easier for him. But a guy like Michael Woods, who's a rookie who hasn't really thrown for him, it's, it's kind of hard to say, but you know, that DPJ touchdown was different. Like that was a moment that I definitely think like, Oh, you see a flash of this offense could be dangerous. He had two, I, I tried to find them and I can't read my own writing in my notes. As you can see, it is chicken scratch. Very normal for a journalist. Very normal. Very normal. Um, I, I was quickly trying to find it while I was talking and I'm failing, but I know there were two big back-to-back uh, completions to Amari Cooper that were like two chunk plays in a row. And it's like, yeah, this is like what it's supposed to look like to me. But I think you are just seeing that in flashes right now. And that's just given the circumstances. So uh, let me do this. I have this written down. I actually don't have it written down. I'm going to say I have it written down because like a, for like a podcast bit. Dan, I have this written down in my notes. Joe Woods job watch. It's the JWJW. <laughs> Isn't JW Johnson the guy who's going to take over yes. the rounds one day, right? It's yeah. the JWJWJW. He's on Twitter, by the way, if you guys want to follow him. He's oh, going to run the he team is. someday. Yes. The JWJW. He's, he's, very, he's very on Twitter. One time he was so on Twitter, he yelled at everybody at Cleveland.com who picked against the Browns. He was so on Twitter one time. He was so on Twitter. It was like, hey, they're going to Dallas. They're playing the Cowboys. And we were like, I don't know. Maybe they won't win. And then they won because Odell Beckham spun in a circle and ran 150 yards for a touchdown. And he was like, what's wrong with you people? I was like, that's cool. So anyway, the JWJW, we have talked, I don't know how many times, Dan, about Joe Woods' job status. They just held the Ravens to three. Like it's looked, you know, like their best guys made plays on Saturday. Denzel, Mary and Kay and I, this is what we focused on early on when you guys weren't on. Denzel Ward made a play. JJ3 made a play. Like, where are we with that? Do we still feel like in the end, uh, I don't know, there's enough holes and problems that this isn't good enough? Or are they getting somewhere? Are they showing like, no, 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 no. This is what not just the Browns defense, but the Joe Woods version of the Browns defense can be at its best. Everybody chill out. We're all good for 2023. I think you have to proceed with caution, judging what we watch over these last few games. Um, Somebody actually just tweeted this at me when I posted the story on the defense, and I've referenced this before. Think about Eric Mangini in 2009, when the Browns won four games in a row to end that season. And Jerome Harrison looked like a Hall of Fame running back. Like he almost he almost rushed for 300 yards in a game. He almost set the NFL rushing record. <laughs> I, re- I don't even think you know who Jerome Harrison is. But <laughs> they 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 won those four in a row. Everybody's like, all right, they got this figured out. And the next year they started awful, right? They had another terrible year. Mangini got fired. Time to move on. I think we shouldn't read too, too much into this because they still did give up a bunch of chunk plays. And the Ravens scored 10 points against Denver. They scored 16 points against Pittsburgh. They scored three in this game. I just, you have to wonder, even if they look good, can you bring back Joe Woods knowing the two years in a row now, your defense has just been a disaster to start the season. And you just got to cross your fingers and hope they turn it around. And I'm not sure that I'm there yet with this defense that they are, because they aren't playing at the level they were at the end of last year even. I don't think he's done enough to necessarily save his job at this point, and I don't know if he can. Thank you for the reminder, Dan. Listen, the people, oh, you guys listen to Orange Brown Talk Pod? Ah, every postgame pod, I am there to just wallow in the misery of this lost season. They got to win. I'm not even trying to be happy. We're telling Hayden Grove stories. It's all good. The Browns won. 
But yes, Ashley, right? Do you think they play better when the season's dead? <laughs> hey, you're out of it. You got a 0.3% chance of making the playoffs. Congratulations about over your big win over a backup quarterback, right? We have to, we can't lose the context altogether. But I'm wondering, Ashley, like, do you think if if the Browns were in the like, they need this, they had two more wins, would they have played the same game? Or do you think they're a little better when it's like, oh, well, season's dead. Let's go win. I don't know. Like, I do kind of wonder if there is something to that. But, like, that being said, I think we all unfortunately remember last year's Monday night game against the Steelers when uh, they were eliminated the day before and played, like, their worst game of the year so bad that on the post-game podcast, Dan Lobby came out with, at the time, the hottest take and said, I think that was the last time we just talked to Baker Mayfield as the Browns quarterback. And, like, he was right. Ultimately, oh my god, that damn um, lobby guy so, knew it. <laughs> so they don't they don't have like a recent history of doing this or anything. But like I do wonder how much of like especially on the defense, like there's just felt like this disconnect. And you know, Joe Woods talks about like taking the system and like scaling it back and like doing all those things. We've heard kind of the same version of or different versions of the same thing from him over the last couple of years now in trying to solve like what's the system connect and how much is it guys being out with injuries and, and all that stuff. So I, I do kind of wonder if there's something to the, Hey, we, we don't got anything to lose. Like might as well just go out and play. Like it's there, there might be something to that. Honestly, it's unfortunately it's a thought experiment. It's a hypothesis that we cannot truly test until like next year, if they're in the playoffs, but they could have a new coordinator by then. What if every pregame speech that Kevin Stefanski gives to the Browns, he opens it by saying, we've been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. And then like he could do it all year. And then like you could show him in his pregame speech at the Super Bowl saying, we've been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. We talk about t-shirt slogans on this podcast a lot, right? Who wants to, we've been math mathematically eliminated all the way to the Super Bowl, the Cleveland Browns, because if they think they're dead, then they can play well. Oh, we're we're out of it. Let's play great. Let's I keep it I in would, mind. I would wear a shirt that said mathematically eliminated. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. I mean, math. Can <laughs> we do plain. can we do can we do shirts that say eliminate mathematically? <laughs> Just a plain gray shirt that says that. mathematically eliminated. I'll wear that. Yeah. I do love sports phrases that you don't hear anywhere else in life that like yeah, mathematically eliminated. Every sports fan knows exactly what that means. And if you said that to a non-sports fan, they would be like, what, what, what are, are you, you talking, talking about? about? Irene, when you watch this game on Saturday, how many times did you think to yourself, well, this would be different if Lamar Jackson was playing? A lot of times, because how do you really compare Lamar Jackson, MVP winner, to Tyler Huntley, who in his three games this season – has zero touchdowns thrown and I believe two interceptions. Uh, I mean, it's it's just lining. Yeah, so Tyler Huntley, this was his second start. He took over after Lamar Jackson was hurt a couple weeks ago in the first quarter, and they won that game and they won last week. So Tyler Huntley is two and one. They are seven and five, seven and four with Lamar Jackson. Jacoby Brissett was four and seven, and the Browns are now two and one with Deshaun Watson. I would say, Dan, this goes back to like, hey, everybody raise your hand. Why did you pick the Ravens today? And I picked the Ravens because I thought they'd score more than three. The 13 from the Browns did not shock me. The three from the Ravens did. But I I do think this is one of those where 
you you want to take it into account somehow, Dan, because we're we're in the context portion of the podcast at this point, right? You don't want to go overboard. The Browns and Mary Kay and I covered this. They made plays to win. They made winning plays. They made at least three major winning plays with the two forced turnovers and the block field goal. All very legit winning plays. The the DPJ route, that's a winning play. You got to win in goofy games. But this, you could, you got a sense here. It makes, you know what I want to see, Dan? I want to see Deshaun Watson versus Lamar Jackson. Like that's, we're not going to get it this year, but I want to see that next season because this was not the full effect of the Ravens. It's not to take away from the Browns and what they did defensively. But I mean, Dan, obviously I refelt it. Everybody in that stadium could feel it. I'm like, okay, well, Tyler Huntley, I think is a, and we did the backup podcast, the backup quarterback podcast in the off season. We love that guy's backup quarterback, but he's a backup. And in this game that mattered. And that's why the Browns, you got to go win a game like this, but you also let's not pretend that like the Browns have passed the Ravens or whatever. Right. Not that anyone said that. Right. No, this, this game was, this was not the Baltimore Ravens as they should be constructed. And in some look, this isn't like the Browns defense is kind of decimated by injuries and all that too. But yeah, I mean, I re asked me before the game, like Lamar Jack, like watching Lamar Jackson in person, like what, like, what is that experience like? And when he's Lamar Jackson, it's like nothing you've ever seen. Like, the guy is just – I mean, you'll think he's going to be sacked for a 15-yard loss and it turns into a 30-yard gain. Either he runs it or he throws it. Like, he's amazing. He, he is an amazing quarterback, and he continues to get better and better throwing the football, I think, every year. Um, so, do the Browns win this game if Lamar plays? Maybe not. But I think the point you made, Doug, is is true. Like, Lamar didn't play. And so the Browns did what they were supposed to do, and they won the game. So go win. Go win. So And, and, well, and so real quick, yes, Dan, that is very true. I was looking very forward to the uh, the Lamar Jackson experience. Didn't get it this time, looking again to it. But I do just want to mention, I mean, and you guys said it. Like, we, it is fair to give them their props for making legitimate winning plays on defense. That's for sure, because I don't want to play that game of – if Lamar, you know, that because Lamar's not there, it was, oh, well, you're supposed to. But then if they were to not do that, then 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 we're saying, wait, like Lamar Jackson wasn't even out there and you couldn't do that. So I don't want to play that back and forth game of not pro- giving props or giving props. I made legitimate winning plays that contributed to, to winning this game, and they d- deserve those props for that. But we all know that it would have been quite a different story within their game plan with number eight out there instead of number two and that's just a a fair point of it quick break when we come back i'm gonna grill ashley bastock about field goals next on the orange brown talk podcast all right doug lamery stan lobby irie harris ashley bastock so i don't does Kate jork have the most shanks in the league i don't know he didn't have another one today where he just like kicked it like off the side of his foot like you don't see professional kickers kick I don't, his misses are like, I don't see other people miss like that. I don't, by the way, Chase McLaughlin had like nine field goals for the Colts today. Chase McLaughlin, who I thought the number one thing last year, it was like, do you think the Browns could use a franchise quarterback? And I was like, I don't care. Just get rid of this kicker. So they got rid of that kicker. He made, he made 14 kicks for the Colts in their, in their collapse on Saturday. And the guy, the Super Bowl winning, your hero and mine, Cade York. Ashley, what? Why does he just shank it? 
I understand missing so, field goals. Nobody's perfect, but he's, yeah. that's multiple shanks this year. Why do you keep on saying shank? It's not a shank. What are you talking about? He kicked a line drive like sideways. Yeah, ten it yards, was. didn't it he? Yeah, he there, it wasn't it, like blocked. around the net. It, it was just like feels around the hearing. net. It was around the net into the like a person caught it in the stands. Um, so that's like that's how wide it was for the people listening. Yeah. If you didn't see it, um, so I have been wondering for a while if something is going on with his plant foot. Like it looks to me, and I believe me, I've never kicked a field goal in my life, but this is what it looks like to me. It's like some, some kind of issues with his plant foot, because like you're saying, Doug, like these kicks aren't getting touched. I'm watching constantly on these like bad misses to see, okay, did something happen with the snap? Did something happen with Corey Bajorquez holding the ball? And and earlier in the year, one of the bad misses, I wish I could remember what game it was after, maybe after the Buffalo game. Um, there was like all this blame on social media coming Corey Bajorquez's way. And it's like, he did nothing wrong. I even asked Mike Prefer about it because I kept seeing it. Um, and I do wonder if it's that. I do wonder if part of it's mental. I still say overall, like my concern level for this, if I had to rank it one through 10, I'm probably at like a two or a three. Like it's very low just because, again, he went through like a very similar thing at LSU with these misses. And I do think it's an adjustment. Um, but that being said, I did not talk to Cade today. Um, I would like to talk to him. I thought you talked to Cade this. after every game. I, I do thought you always talked talk to Cade. No, there's, well, I'll tell you a story about this later after the podcast is done recording. But no, I did not Those talk are... to him today. Um, I did not talk to him this week. And I, but I would, you know, I really, I think the plant foot is a big thing. From people I've talked to, from people who know Cade, like the plant foot just seems to be, a thing that it's just making him kick bad kicks. Like there's no reason for it. It's just bad kicks. And I, then I wonder if it's a mental thing and now he's thinking about it and he's a perfectionist and we're thinking about it too much. So that's kind of my take. So two for four, which is a better ratio than the greatest kicker of all time had in the same game on Saturday, Justin Tucker was one for three. Dan field goals, like incredibly in a 13, three game field goals, baby. They're like gold. So I have written down here, MPJW, the Mike Pre for job watch. They blocked a field goal. Is he good? He saved it. Special teams are perfect. They blocked the field goal. Because guess what? That really mattered when they blocked that field goal. It kept it a two-score game. Yes. And by the way, complete aside, I just watched a Buffalo running back go down and not score in a key situation where you don't want to score. Anyway, oh, no. kicking. I, I am, told him to do that. I'm the coach. Told him. <laughs> right? Are you allowed to tell guys? Okay. I don't know. Anyway, so Ashley is is a two on the Cade York concern meter. I'm like, I'm pretty concerned. Not in like you got to go out and find a new kicker concern because I don't think you can draft a guy in the fourth round and then be like, eh, we're done with him after a year. And we know that that's not how this franchise does things. But I'm I'm worried about. Cade York right now and I'm worried when a guy sends a field goal like he misses the net and I yeah. think he's done that twice this year I'm con- I'm concerned about where he's at right now and I'm concerned about where this is going because everything for 2023 is about you got to go try and win the Super Bowl like you have to be that good of a team and man you could have some games where you need your kicker to make a pl- to make a big kick and I don't think you can trust Cade York to be that guy right now. 
So my concern level is, I don't, I mean, I don't want to go super high because that makes it sound like I'm saying get rid of the guy, but I'd probably be at a six right now. Apparently six is just what I choose for every one to 10 mm. scale, but I, I'd probably be around a six right now. I mean, because everybody misses, but like the, the style of miss is kind of what we're at here. I re, I had a friend in high school whose name was Neil Shank. His last name was Shank. Maybe that's like I, why I like to say it. Shank, Shank, Shanky, Shank, Shank. Is there a better word that I should use for when Cade York misses the net? How would you describe that miss? My fault, OG. No correction. So what do you, th- if, if Ashley's a two and Dan's a six, what's your Cade York concern meter? I'm not really, I mean, it's, it's it's really in the middle regarding. It's not that high. I, I would really keep it at a four because I don't even mean to use the excuse, but he's a rookie. But I like the fact that, you know, I get to say that, and I got to witness the rookie do better than their best kicker right now in the game will be given the speech in Canton soon after he hangs up his cleats. I mean, it's it's just a certain sense of getting used to the winds, getting used to the environment, everything that surrounds First Energy Stadium. I am not completely worried right now. If he comes in, I mean, just seeing right now, if he was to continue this, you know, within the sovereign season, then yeah, that is legit, legit worry. But right now, I'm more worried for Joe Wilson's job right now than, than K. York improving. No, I think that's, I mean, because it's like, why would you worry about it? Because as Dan said, well, he's, he's a kicker next year. And what are they going to do? We're going to send him out to kick field goals. So I don't know. Like, that's, you're not going to change anything. Uh, did Ashley, did people pass out when Justin Cut Tucker missed a field goal? What happened? I almost did. I was like, I can't believe he missed one. Like, from within 50 yards, that yeah. never happens. He had three misses this year. And they were all um, greater than, than 50 yards. Um, I am pulling up my story now because I looked at his career numbers because obviously I don't know them off the top of my head. So his career percentage for field goals coming into Saturday was 90.3%. He had made 334 of 370 field goal attempts. And of those attempts, only 13 total misses came from inside the 50 throughout his 10-year career. So the fact that we saw one today was wild and because he normally just doesn't miss on his own. Like the yeah. Brown, like you know John Johnson after the game said that Mike Prefer told them if we want this guy to miss we have to go block a kick. And like they got both. Like they did go and block one Jordan Elliott got a nice slip from one of the guards and the long snapper and they tried to flip him, and instead he just kept his balance and blocked that kick, the 50-yard attempt. Um, but they also got really lucky and got, like, just a plain old, I think it was wide right, miss. Like, it, I mean, I, I honestly, I'm still speechless over it because that guy just doesn't miss. He's like a video game cheat code. Just an, an odd game, right? Seven field yeah. goal attempts and only three made field goals. So, um, and again, it it really mattered. They wouldn't, Tucker's makes wouldn't have made the Ravens win the game, but it would have kept them in the game in a different way and perhaps would have had an effect on the outcome, Dan. All right, so listen, it's one of these things. I saw some chart after the game. They still have like a, it's like a less than 1% chance of making the playoffs, but it's not zero, but like, we're not talking about that. So what next, Dan? I asked Mary Kay this at the start. Saints, Commanders, Steelers. What should fans hope for, look for? What are the things that matter most? I think to me, if you walk away from this game and say, I, I do think making plays on defense matters. Your best defenders made plays. Super important. But to me, 
It's the idea that if Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson had a game where they felt more on the same page and it was maybe, again, maybe it was a fifth grade book and not a, they weren't getting their master's degree yet, but at least they're reading the same book. That feels important, Dan. What else? What else should the Browns be trying to achieve in the last three games of the season? Uh, I want to walk away from a game this this season and just say, whoa, in regards to what, what we watched from Deshaun Watson. I want to just walk away from a game and be like, okay, that that's that was it. That was the Deshaun Watson experience. That's the guy that people were flirting with saying was the top five quarterback a couple years ago. So I, th- I think that's one thing. And honestly, I kind of feel like winning – Winning matter, like win some games, uh, you know, go out there and beat a Saints team that you should beat, beat a commander's team that is pretty good. I, I mean, they're, they're going to be a playoff team in the NFC. I don't know. I mean, the four of us could probably make the playoffs in the NFC. So I don't know what that says, but, you know, beat them and then go to Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers in week 18, which is something this team almost never does. I think that matters. And, you know, Make it interesting. Make it so that your fans are sitting there looking at like today saying, well, they're only two games back of the wild card. Maybe there's still a chance. That that's that I guess is I, I just want to see this team. I want to see a great Deshaun game. And I do think like getting some wins matters. I, I think that I think that's a good thing. Irie, how would you describe what you would like to see from the Browns the last three games? It's, it's kind of complex because going back to what we spoke about earlier of them actually doing well or, you know, finally being good when they're pretty much out of the playoffs in the most part. Well, not mathematically, my new favorite word, but pretty much out of the postseason. So now when it's down for it, then they go out and play. But in the midst of as a spectator slash reporter just watching, I would like to see, uh, for one, and you guys can tell me how, how y'all feel feel about this, but I've mentioned this multiple times. I would like to see more RPO offensively. I think that I, that's something that since Watson even came back, you know, especially after seeing his first game versus Houston, it's like okay, his arm is near, is trying to wake up from from being dead for seven hundred days for the most part, but his legs are still alive. So I just don't see how they don't use that, you know, to their advantage, at least right now. I'd like to see them try try that out. It was effective when he was in Houston, nearly total 600 total yards from, you know, scrimmage Aaron on the ground doing RPO. I'd like to see him do that here. I would just also like to see, you know, the defense do well and make some similar plays as they did today. You know, it, it, it don't even got to be limiting the ground game. I mean, that would be nice, but we knew they weren't going to stop Dobbins. We had 125, you know, rushing yards, back-to-back 100 uh, rushing our games now uh, from last week and this week. But just making those players that cop, that cap off, you know, wins and just add to it. And when we go, when we come away, we forget about the rushing yards and we only remember about the block kick. We only remember about them stopping the receiver on that down, stopping them on four than one. We, we can count on one hand on many times we've seen it this season. I want to see more of that. I just want to see the Browns play the way they should have all season long. I want to see the Browns play the way that I thought they would play that made me say they would get 11 wins. How about that? That'll work. The other thing I forgot to say is that the most important play of the game was the face mask on Deshaun Watson on the third down when he was going to be sacked and they were going to have to punt it right back to the Ravens after the interception. And then instead they marched for a touchdown because on the third down, the 
their play didn't work and then he had to run. So also that was also I, very lucky. Can I add something to that though? Because you're right. Like they should have, they should have punted there. Right. But then after that play, they turned around and they marched down the field and they scored. And so like, I, th- I think it matters that yes, you got lucky, you got help, but then you punished them for giving them, for giving you that help. And that's something that this team just hasn't done enough of. No, I agree. And then as soon as you score, then they, the Ravens get the ball back. You punch the ball out in the first play. And again, like you suck all. You think about like the eight minutes after that face mask, the Browns took it away. They they ripped the Ravens' heart out in that moment. I would like to see them force some punts, right? Force some more punts. I would like a game like this. The Browns punted three times. The Ravens only punted once. It's important to get fourth down stops. It's important to get turnovers, that kind of thing. To me, that's not a dominating defensive performance, though. That's like... Hey, like you let them drive, you let them drive. You made a play when you need it. That's also how you win in this league. You make a play when you need to. You're not dominant all the time, but it'd be nice to watch this defense at its best smother somebody, like smother a decent offense, I think would be on my list of things I'd like to see. Ashley, we'll end with you. Last three games, what are you looking for? Yeah, I'm just looking again for Deshaun Watson to be developing more of that chemistry with, you know, within this offense and especially with his pass catching targets you know I talked we talked to basically all of like the key players who who I think fall into that right now right like Amari Cooper DPJ David Njoku after the game and and about what they can do to kind of help get him on the on the same page and I think for the most part like they kind of are and that's just to me is like the biggest thing it's that and then figuring out like can Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson like be on the same page and can he effectively call the offense for him and can like these two people, like we said, I mean, I think Deshaun's been very vocal about what he wants and what he, you know, thinks he can do. And I think it's kind of up to Kevin Stefanski to implement that. So for me, that's that's really what it's about because let's be real, Deshaun Watson is the future of this franchise. Like that's just the reality. So what he does and what Kevin Stefanski does in regards to calling this offense are the far and away most important things for me. And the other thing I want is I want the Browns offense to score at least as many points with Deshaun Watson as the Niners offense scores with Brock Purdy. That's the other thing I want to see. Okay. Uh, Browns are six and eight, 13 to three win over the Ravens next Saturday against the New Orleans Saints all week at cleveland.com slash Browns and the Orange and Brown Talk podcast five days a week for Mary Kay Cabot, Irie Harris, Ashley Bastock, and Dan Lobby. I'm Doug Lee Maurice, and that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast.